You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. I've got uh, with me my beautiful wife. Everybody say hello to Reagan. Now, we've never done this before. We've never spoke together. We've never even attempted to get up on a Sunday morning and speak together. So this is a little bit of a new experience for us, but uh, just bear with us. Uh, Ultimately, what we want to do today is just have a conversation about what it means and what it looks like to invest in the next generation. And so there's some things that I think we've learned along the way, and hopefully uh, we've been taught that maybe we can help and, and share this morning. So anyway, why don't you introduce yourself and say hello to everybody, and I'll, I'll be quiet for a bit. I'm more of the scripted gal, so I might just like hold <laughs> this, and y'all don't laugh at me if I do. <laughs> My name is Reagan Ferruccio, and I am Jeremy's husband. No. Nope. I mean, oh God. Love. No. Okay, let's all just laugh and just get it out of our no. systems. <laughs> it is 2021, so no, stop. <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Yeah. Okay. Um, my name is Reagan Ferruccio. I'm his wife. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, and I would say that I am on the verge of figuring out who I am. And I say that because um, at every phase of parenting, I feel like any moms out there, I see any moms, any grandmoms, um, and even like any teenagers trying to figure out who you are. Um, you, you go through different phases, right? Each kid is different. Um, each phase is different. You don't sleep, so then you have to deal with how do you control your attitude during the day because you're tired. Um, and I could go on, right, with every phase. Well, I would say the phase that I'm at right now is um, if I could pick someone that I, that I relate to right now in life, it would be... Uh, Wilbur from Charlotte's Web. (laughs) Have you guys ever seen Charlotte's Web or read the book? Well, let me just explain myself. Uh, We have four kids, and three of those four kids recently moved out in the last year. So we have one child left at home. So we are on the verge of being empty nesters. And it happened so fast. Like, I just wasn't ready for it. And um, at the end of the movie, at the end of the book, Wilbur... um, You see him and he's so excited, right? All these spiders, these baby spiders um, were were hatching and he just can't wait to spend time with them and do fun things with them. And they all just start leaving. They're just flying away. And and he's like, wait a minute, where's everybody going? Like, why are you leaving? And so that's why I relate to the pig in the story. (laughs) I kind of feel like, wait a minute, like, where's everybody going? Why are you... Why are you leaving us? Um, and I'm excited and jumping yeah. up and down and, <laughs> and really excited about not buying all that food anymore. Or <laughs> Yeah, Lord, y'all don't even want to know our grocery bill during COVID because it was like right before everybody left. And I was like, okay, listen, everybody's eating two meals. That's all you get. You get two yeah. meals and one snack. <laughs> yeah. So this past year has been a whirlwind, needless to say, for us. Um, Everyone has moved out except for Gavin, and we're so proud but so sad at the same time. Um, I suddenly forgot in that moment when everybody was leaving me um, that our, I'm going to cry a lot today, so, (laughs) okay, that our goal, right, as parents was to create and raise emotionally and financially stable, independent, Jesus-following adults. Yeah. 
And we did that, so yeah. I should be proud, but I was sad at the same time. And here's the thing. We're gonna get a little personal with you guys today, which is why I think we're so nervous because we've never really shared a lot about ourselves. But, shoot. Okay, let me just cry and get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to be vulnerable, you know, and share your story with people. But I know that God has a plan for today, so I'm gonna get through this. Here's the thing. I've been a mother since I was 17. Mm. Y'all, it's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever known. It's who I am to my core. So many long days and nights just trying to get to tomorrow. I went from playing basketball to carrying a basketball in high school. (laughs) Talk about drastically changing my life plans. Mm, Look at that guy. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> it's amazing she hasn't changed and somehow I look like an alien there to myself. I don't even recognize that guy. <laughs> you look the same to me. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> so when I was 16, we found out that I was pregnant. And in that moment, I want you to remember this. I made a decision. And I chose to start showing up. And it was hard. But I chose to start showing up in our daughter's life with all of my unqualified, unready inabilities at the most novice level, right? Yeah. I was a teenager. I didn't even know who I was yet. Yeah. And so our story, obviously, we got pregnant in high school. Um, she was 16. I was 17. And... Um, it was, it was early on. So I'd love to introduce you uh, before we talk a little bit, but I'd love to introduce you to our family as we kind of uh, get into our story. But uh, as, as she mentioned, we have four kids, and uh, there they all are. Uh, good-looking crew there. Um, and so uh, you see Reagan on the far, your left, and uh, next to her is Aubrey, who was born, uh, as Reagan was saying, when we were in high school and uh, Aubrey's in college right now. Uh, she's in an accelerated honors master's program for social work. I always uh, uh, am amazed at what she's doing. She's yeah. also uh, newly married last year in October uh, to an executive pastor in Salisbury and she uh, serves as the kids director at that church. And um, just so proud of what she's doing and really just has a heart to serve Kids, and then next to her there is Chase. Um, Chase, our firstborn son, he just turned 22 uh, last week, and he is the new uh, campus pastor at our Fenwick location uh, that we just launched uh, almost, uh, well, man, almost two years now. But um, so, uh, and just to point out, we were 19 and 20 when we had Chase, so we were 17. Or 17 and 18 when we, when we had Aubrey, and then we were 19 and 20 when we had Chase. Yeah, still. <laughs> and then next to, uh, next to Chase, there is Caitlin, who is 20. Yep, she's still 20, right? I got that right? She's 20? Oh, gosh. She's no, 20. No, she's 19. Is she 19? Oh, my gosh. She's going to hate She can't us. watch this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Well, she acts more mature. Yeah. Than now you're gonna make all the other kids mad. <laughs> so 19, uh, Caitlin was actually, believe it or not, the first uh, one to move out. And uh, she loves telling everybody that, that as soon as she graduated, she moved out and got an apartment with some friends and uh, has been going to college and doing well. And now she serves, you're going to have to tell me what her title is again. Um, I wrote it down. So she, she serves in the kids ministry um, mm-hmm. at Bayshore and she sings on the worship team, but she is a direct professional support and she works with a special needs man who has autism. Yeah. And um, she is so amazing at what she mm. does. Um, if you don't know anybody with special needs, and you don't, and if if you know the people that work with them, um, it takes a special person to yeah. do that all she the time. She was built for that. And she is so patient and so caring um, that the mother actually wrote a letter and requested for Katie to get a raise because she just is so good at it. Yeah. Like he. He's lost weight because she takes him to the gym, makes him work out, and <laughs> all of this yeah. stuff. So She was built for that. It's amazing yeah. to see her step into that. And then yeah. finally, the, the one next to me is the tallest of all of us. He's the youngest, uh, and that's Gavin, uh, 6'6". And Gavin is a senior this year at uh, Y High, and he serves as the media director at our Fenwick location. Uh, and, uh, man, just so proud of of all of our kids. And how old were we when we had Gavin, our fourth? We were 24 and 25 when we had Gavin. 24 and 25. And we were so both 22 and we had Katie. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure we're the same age. We're about six months apart. So, so at 25 years of age for me, uh, we had four kids. And, um, you know, it was, it was always funny uh, how people thought we were crazy at the time. And so... Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is our I family. Can you imagine if Aubrey had four kids right now? Oh, no. Uh, I would lose my mind. Yeah, it'd be crazy. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, people always thought we were nuts. In fact, um, we didn't want to have any more children, and Jeremy went to the doctor <laughs> yeah. to find out about how we stopped doing that. And yeah. I had to go in and sign a waiver stating that I was okay with it because he was like, are you sure? You're only 25. And we were like, we're good, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now that you know who we are, like really who we are, we've gotten really vulnerable. And um, I feel like we're just in a conversation with you guys now that we've kind of spilled our guts. So let's just all get comfortable with one another. We feel that God has strategically placed us today to be able to share this with you um, the past 20 24 years of our lives and and talk to you about this today um, at this very moment. I feel like this is God ordained. My mom always said, you know, God has divine appointments for us. And so I feel like that's what we're doing today. So we've never shared publicly about raising our children together. And we want this to be more like a conversation, like I said. Um, If if I cry more, it's going to be okay. I'm okay. Yeah, so, you know, we just mentioned that we've, we've had four kids and that here in the last year, three of them have actually moved out and we've got one more at home. And so it kind of hit us all at once that, man, time can move fast. Yeah. And uh, if we're not intentional, if we're not purposeful about what we're doing, then we could miss it. And so there's a couple things that we want to share with you that kind of help get our mindset and our, uh, our, our thoughts around being intentional with our time. One of the things you see the seat cases um, uh, over here, and um, this is one of those things that is a reminder to us that from, from the time our kids are born, we are packing their bags for when they will leave us. 
right? From day one, we are giving them the skills and the tools that they're going to need to go out and be productive, healthy uh, uh, people on their own. And so, um, you know, this image of the suitcases and that, that we're always going to be working towards packing their bags is an, is, is an important thought to have in your mind. And, and so from the moment they're born to they graduate high school, that's what we are doing. And so this verse in Proverbs 22.6 is the one that we, we always hear, right? And we always uh, use this verse because it says that train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so there's this weight as a parent, I think, that comes with that verse. And you're like, well, man, how do we do that? What do we do? Who ultimately is responsible? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and how, what does it mean to even be responsible for training up a child in the way of the Lord? And so you take that verse and you have this understanding that we have a limited amount of time that uh, we are going to be able to pack our kids' bags. And so one of the, one of the things uh, that, that we like to think of or another tool that we like to use is the idea of the marbles, right? Um, and um, it is from the time a child is born to the time they graduate, you have about 1,000 yeah, weeks. About 1,000 weeks. And so we like to use the illustration of, of marbles. Um, and, you know, if you see a 1,000 marbles altogether, it looks like a big pile of marbles. But every week you're taking one and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's passed. And then another week passes and before you know it, what can happen? Any, uh, any, anybody here a parent of a ninth grader or a grandparent of a, a ninth grader? Because if you're a ninth, you have a ninth grader, you have only about 200 weeks left. You only have about 200 marbles left. And so that's when things really start picking up as well, right? You know, they start going to college, they got to find their locker, uh, they got to meet friends and figure out what, what group they're going to be in, right? And so they just keep, uh, these weeks keep passing. And then they're having midterms and, uh, you know, their GPA. And you're figuring out whether or not they're going to make it into Harvard right then, right? Based on that GPA. Yeah, uh, right? And, and so it keeps going. And then soon uh, they're taking driver's ed. And you're going to figure out what it's like to have faith, right, when they start driving and what it means to have a prayer life. And then at, at uh, you know, then they become a junior, right? And you're halfway through, you've got about 100 weeks left. And so that's when things really just take off. They start getting jobs. Yeah, they get their first car and then they, and then they leave. And then they yeah. start dating and they start dating in a car. <laughs> yeah. They start dating in a car And alone. then you learn, you learn how to pray as a parent, right? Because yeah. they're, they're in a, alone dating in a car. And yeah. so, and what can happen is... You know, things can move and, and what seemed like a lot of time, what seemed like a big stack of marble, suddenly you're at the end and you've lost all your marbles. <laughs> that is the worst joke ever, I know. I think it's good. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. But it can happen quick. And so our job is to tramp a child. Our job is to pack their suitcases. And if we're not careful, it'll go by and we'll miss it. 
So Moses talks about this in Psalms 90:12. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And we shared with you at the beginning that um, we were teenagers when we first had our first daughter. In fact, um, I was a junior in high school. I put it in perspective. He was just talking about, you know, juniors in high school. It's the beginning of my junior year. And basically, everyone around us thought that we were going to fail. And I remember that weight um, the weight of people's expectations, and um, we pray and we ask God for wisdom. Shoo! And we learned that scripture. You know, teach us to number our days that that we will gain a heart of wisdom. And um, I'm reminded of Solomon. You know, he asked to ask for wisdom, and God blessed him far beyond. And so that became our prayer. And so, what happens when you put a number? on how many weeks you have left with your child. What happens when we put a number on how many weekends we have as a church community with a child? Time is important, and if you're not careful, all of a sudden you wake up and your time is gone, like Jeremy talked about. Um, So let's get back to the suitcases. We'll share a story with you guys. A few years ago, our son, Chase, um, he was about to graduate high school and was praying about what God called him to do, what he wanted to do, college, you know, did he want to play lacrosse in college, all these different things. And he decided he was going to move to Vancouver, British Columbia, and study at a church there called Village Church under a pastor named Mark Clark. Listen, y'all, we were not ready. Aubrey had stayed home with us and lived with us and gone to college. So we hadn't experienced anybody like leaving to go anywhere yet. Um, And so we woke up that morning really, really early, and Aubrey went with us, and we drove Chase to the airport, and I think we had to take him to... D.C. D.C., yeah. And um, so we drove him there, and um, we walked him to the gate, and because he was going to have to go through customs and everything, because he was leaving the country. And uh, we hugged him. We took pictures together. I think we might have a... Do we have a picture? Maybe. Did you send it? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So that's... That's the picture of us when we left him at the airport that day. And, and we turned, and Jeremy and I turned to walk around after, walk away as we gave him our last hug. You know, we weren't sure when we were going to see him again. And I just started crying. I mean, go figure, right, <laughs> after today. But I started crying, and, and I just, the first thing that came to my mind, I looked at Jeremy and I said, there's, there's more. Like, we didn't teach him everything that we need. We needed to. Um, I don't think we taught him everything he needs. What if we didn't teach him everything he needed? What if there's something we missed? I need more time. I couldn't control the tears, just like I can't control them now. That weight of feeling like you didn't have enough time to teach them and share everything that God wanted me to share with him. At this point, Jeremy looked at me with tears as well, and he said, there's no more time. It's up. It's over. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. It's his job to figure it out now, is what he said. It's his job to figure it out now. Yeah. And so in that, I think, is, you know, just a good lesson of, taking stock of how many weeks you have left how many marbles are still left and what are you going to do uh with those marbles and so um you know teach us to number our days moses said 
that we'll have the heart of wisdom. There's wisdom in numbering our days. And so it's important that we do that. And so when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time that you have now. Yeah. So what does that look like in your world? What does that look like with your newborn, with your three-year-old, and I'm talking to parents, your six-year-old, your eight-year-old, your 10-year-old, your middle schooler, your high schooler, your 20-year-old, even your 30-year-old child. Yeah. When you realize that there's this giant countdown clock, right, ticking away, when you understand and see how much time you have left, it makes you value what happens over time. And so what happens over time suddenly becomes valuable. Yeah. So two things, right? Every marble becomes important. The value of every week you, you can feel and you sense when you've numbered your days, every week matters. And so you want that to count. But what's true is that we can't give our kids everything in one week. Right. There's no way to pack their bags in one week. Right. And so also the byproduct of numbering your days is that you understand the value of what happens over a long period of time. Each marble matters and then all the marbles collectively become important. Right. And so there's an important illustration. It's a really beautiful thing uh, that Moses is talking about here to number our days. So time becomes your friend. It becomes your platform. Mm -hmm. You're actually making history in the life of a child. Yeah. And nobody who's making history in the moment knows that they are making history. Let's face it. Um, there's no single event. There is not one lesson that is going to change the life of the child, right? It's, it's things over time. It's collectively over time. So at the airport, standing there with Chase... I remembered things I wish I had done better. I remembered times that I didn't take time seriously. I remembered the days when I complained about the struggle of parenting. But in that moment, I longed for just one more day, one more valuable day to teach him. But our time was up. And it's all of it combined over time that makes a difference and changes the life and the future of a child. Um, I know that parents, you're looking for the golden ticket and you're just waiting for us to say the one thing that's gonna tell you that we'll raise the most amazing child, but I'm here to tell you there's no golden ticket. There's nothing that I can tell you, just principles that if you show up and you commit to time and learning and teaching, it will change a kid's future. You know, I can't even, it's hard to think about as young kids if we had not decided in that moment as teenagers to show up for Aubrey and to show up for our kids. And so one thing that we, we all have in common here, um, whether you're a parent or not, is that all of us have been created in God's image. And we've all are endowed and created in the image of the creator right. um, and so if you start looking to him if you start really putting him first you start leaning into to God and his word and and you're you're, you're studying and reading then then God's gonna uh, uh, begin to change you he's gonna begin to uh, create a better version of yourself and and those uh, those principles of patience of goodness of kindness of gentleness self-control integrity forgiveness all those things we take and we impart and we pack 
our kids' bags with those. And so, you know, it's about having those values and about using them purposefully and intentionally uh, in the lives of our kids. And that will, that's what makes the difference, consistency over time. Um, and so, obviously, what we're talking about here is, is there is no greater influence in a kid's life than a parent. There's no bigger influence than the parent. And maybe that looks different for some people, right? When we say parent, we're talking about that, that primary caregiver, that person, right? Uh, maybe that's a grandparent in some people's uh, um, you know, situation, or maybe it's a foster parent or an adoptive parent or an aunt or uncle or whatever it may be. But that primary influence in a kid's life is so important and that cannot uh, be, um, you know, there's no way to overestimate uh, the influence that a parent will have in a kid's life. Right. And so, like we said at the beginning, a parent is not the only influence that a kid's need. Kids need other people helping pack their bags. Parents cannot do it alone. And listen, um, I'm so grateful for the people that God brought into our story um, that showed up and yeah. helped us yeah. pack our bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking all these names are coming to mind. Yeah. Of people who stepped up yeah. and mentored us and helped us raise our kids. Yeah. So, so what we really want to get to today, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all this set up about parenting and numbering our days and packing our kids' bags. It really comes down to parents can't do it on their own. And honestly, uh, if we had any success with our kids, it's not just us. No, not at all. It's because there were other people who were willing to show up for our kids and to show up for us. You know, we were kids with kids. People were still helping us to pack our bags, to have the things that we needed to navigate life and to navigate being parents and then to in turn impart those to our kids. Yeah, so think about it. We are 17 and 18 and we were not the parents that we are today. Honestly, I don't even think we owned a suitcase. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But we borrowed a suitcase from a friend who believed in us and started packing that for our kids. And somebody along the way, and somebody else along the way, and and they started helping us, and yep. helping us see the value of time. And um, some of them were other, some of them were parents, and some of them weren't parents. Yep. Um, but they helped us understand the value that it's love over time, it's words over time, it's work and living a life of service over time to Jesus, it's fun over time, it's consistency over time that packs the best bags. And we didn't raise our kids alone. And, and we keep telling you guys that today because we want you to understand the power of the church and the yeah. power of the community um, and what you hold in your hands. And if I'm right, the majority of these people were not only raised by parents alone. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. How many of you could think of somebody in your life, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, a Sunday school teacher? an aunt and uncle who had influence in your life. And a lot of times what's funny about those people, you know, as we get older and we think about 
the people who really impacted our lives. Sometimes they're, they're not even people we, we like that much, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anybody have a coach that man would just run you and, yeah. and push you and at the time you didn't like it, but man, they influence your life in a way that is, is so valuable to you now. Yeah. And so many of you can think of somebody in your past that wasn't your parent, but had an influence, a positive influence in your life. And so what, what we really want to challenge you with here today is who are you showing up for? Who are you showing up for? People have showed up for you. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it wasn't. You know. And, and listen, we all have different stories. Uh, and I know there's some challenging stories for some. Um, but who are you showing up for now? I'm reminded of that quote that says, be... Be now who you needed when you were younger. Be the person now that you needed when you were younger. And so I just, I think about that and I think about what would our life look like if we didn't show up for Aubrey? Hmm. And what would our life look like if people in the church didn't show up for Aubrey? Hmm. And And for us. For us. Yeah. And so we found this letter that we want to share with you. Um, we were going through some stuff during COVID. We needed to make an office. And so we were cleaning out stuff. And, you know, we have plenty of rooms now. There's nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> so we made one an office. And I found this letter from Aubrey. And she was older when she wrote this, I think, in high school. And um, it says, I'm going to read it because Jeremy won't be able to get through it. So, hey, Dad, happy Father's Day. Today, everyone is wishing all their dads the same thing. But most of them, none of them compare to you. I could thank you for the little things, like when you let me dress you up like a princess. We should have brought that picture. (laughs) My clothes, my roof, uh, my food, and for most of the time, a hot shower. If any of you guys know about our water issues when they were growing up, (laughs) that's that's really true. (laughs) Uh, It must have all a hot shower. But I am most thankful for having a dad who chose to stay and allowed me, okay, who chose to stay and allowed me to watch him grow and live life. You taught me what it truly means to be a leader and to serve others with everything I have. And as I watch you and mom grow in your love, you continuously show me what it means to love someone else and all that comes with it. You've raised my bar for expectations in men the way no one could. This Father's Day, I thank you for being the best father anyone could ask for, even when I don't want you sometimes. I love you, Dad. Your oldest world changer, Aubrey. So I, I love that letter for a lot of reasons, obviously. Um, but one of the, the things that I think I'm most proud of is the way she signed it was your oldest world changer. And the reason that is so powerful to me is because from the day they were born, we have spoke over them. You are world changers. God has called you to something great. And there's so many marbles in that story of her growing up that were challenging and tough and I didn't value the way I should and we didn't value those times the way we should maybe. But over time, consistency, intentionality, purposeful, packing their bags with the things that they need, 
getting them in the right environments, letting them, them see us serving in those environments. Here's the thing. Some of, you, some of you use your kids as an excuse as to why you can't be involved. Can I tell you that's, that's so backwards? It's so backwards. Your kids need to see you serving. They need to see you uh, putting value on the things that are important. And it's a struggle. It is hard. It's hard. But they need to see you doing the hard things because you value them and they need to be right there alongside of you. One of the things we did from day one, there was never a time that we were going to tell our kids that they couldn't be involved. And so whether they were four years old and we were leading worship, they were there with us and they were serving in some capacity. When, they were, when we were serving in kids' ministry, they were there serving. They were doing stuff. When we were cleaning the church, they were cleaning with us. And so for some of you, the excuse that you can't, you can't be involved or you can't serve because of your kids, is, it's, it's backwards. It's backwards. And then for some of you, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe uh, your kids are grown or whatever the case is. And now is the perfect time for you to come along somebody and to show up for somebody else's kids or to help somebody else uh, pack their bags or help them pack their kids' bags. And so this whole idea that we've been talking about of serving and investing in the next generation, mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's about showing up. Yeah. Bottom line, it's about showing up, understanding that there is a limited amount of time that we have to invest mm-hmm. in our kids. And we're going to seize the day. Yeah. We're going to take advantage of that. And there's something that happens when we serve. Right. No matter where you are on that spectrum, a parent or, or, or maybe you don't have kids, wherever it is, wherever you are on that spectrum, there's something that happens and something that changes in us when we begin to serve. Yeah. We go so that we can help and we can impart wisdom or whatever or show up for a kid. And the reality that happens when we do that yeah. is that we change, mm-hmm. that we grow that our horizons are expanded. Hmm. God shows us something that we've never, ever seen. And we see him clearer than we've ever seen him before because we stepped up, we showed up, and we served somebody else. Yeah, and there's something to that, right, about serving. I mean, Jesus, Jesus called us to love and to serve. I mean, it's pretty basic. And I don't think there was anything about attending church on Sunday morning when Jesus talked at the beginning. He just said, love and to serve. And so at one time, we were alone in parenting, but God continually chased after us. And I want to share this illustration with you, and hopefully you find some um, commonality in this. So do you know how we know that God loves us as an adult now, as parent of adult children? Does anybody know? because we went through some mess in our life. Like we're not getting into the details of our life with you guys, but we've gone through some stuff, right? And everyone here has gone through some stuff, whether you're a parent or not. We're all human. And God kept coming after us through some of the darkest times. And God kept bringing people to show up in our lives time over time. 
And we invited our kids into that story, like Jeremy said. We invited them in to serve with us and to be part of our story. Um, and some of you here today may feel, you may feel like you're unqualified. Hmm. You may feel like you're not a good enough Christian. Uh, you don't have the patience to show up in a child's life. Um, if we are truly gonna say that we are believers, though, and model our lives after Jesus, then we have to start showing up. So in Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, right? Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the best chance that you have of sharing this message with the next generation, the best chance that you have to influence in someone's life is by showing up and letting them see you fail and letting them see you find Jesus over and over, time after time, yeah. So today, that's a challenge, you know. Teach us to number our days. Yeah. That we may have a heart of wisdom. There's a generation uh, that needs help packing their bags. And the call today is to you, to all of us. Who are we showing up for? What are the excuses that are there that are keeping us uh, from showing up? And so, you know, I just want to challenge you today. If you've been thinking about or praying about or uh, serving in either youth or kids or babies, now's the time. Yeah. Now's the time. Every week that goes by is another marble. It's another marble. It's another week that's gone that we'll have the chance to influence the next generation. And here's, here's what I promise you. If, if you show up for a kid, like we said, you're going to find that you're the one who gets changed. You're going to find that you're the one who gets blessed. And God moves in your life. So do me a favor. Let's all stand together before we go. And I just want to speak a, a blessing over your life and over your families. We sang that song uh, this morning. Uh, but I just want to pray that over you. And then as we go today, um, man, don't, don't just think of this as another message or a sermon. You came in, you punched your clock. Mm -hmm. But hear Moses' words. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days, Lord. Let us be wise. Let us value every week. Let us see the value and what can happen over time. And let's start showing up for the next generation. Lord, I thank you for everybody in this room. God, all the parents, all the non-parents, God, wherever they are on that spectrum, Lord. Uh, God, we believe that there is something there that you've given them, that you've ordained them, that you've anointed them uh, to impart and, and to, to help in, in someone's life. And so, God, we just call that forth uh, in this moment. We speak uh, that fourth and, and just uh, pray God that you'd bring that up and, and God that um, you challenge somebody to move and to do and, 
And Lord, as, uh, as you work on them, Lord, uh, God, I just am grateful for all those who are already serving, yes. already stepped up to show up for the next generation. And we believe, God, that there, there's a great revival coming, yes. Lord, that your church uh, will continue. Lord, no matter what the world around us looks like, we will continue yes. uh, uh, to proclaim your goodness and declare uh, you as Lord. And so uh, we speak that over the next generation. Yes. And God, we as a, a church, as an organization, as a community of believers, uh, decide now that we're going to show up. Yes, God. We're going to show up. So may you go today. May you go with the wisdom of numbering your days, and may you find those people who need you to show up in their life, and that God would give you the grace and the strength to do so. Uh, God, we just thank you for what you're doing and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.